Right, welcome along to another episode of the How I Caught the Wrestling Bug podcast with me, David Lovell, joined this week by Damien Gonzalez. Damien, how's it going? I'm doing well, how are you? I'm doing really well, it's a pleasure to have you on. Uh, we should point out, um, no relation to Garrett, you, you you spell your surnames differently anyway, you, you spell yours with a Z on the end, don't you? Yes, yes, um... Melcher tends to put a Z on the last, on his last <laughs> name often, but yeah, his is an S and mine is a Z, so there's no relation. And you don't sort of do any uh, writing on any websites, or even, have, you, have you ever done a podcast before? Uh, not in a long time. I used to do quite a bit of writing. I used to own a wrestling website. And oh, okay. I used to be a, used to be a wrestling reviewer for many, many years, and We'll certainly get into that, I'm sure, but uh, not in a long time. I'm I'm effectively retired right now. <laughs> Obviously, this uh, podcast is all about how you became a fan and and how your fandom has sort of evolved over the years. But if we were going to go back right to the very beginning, what would be your earliest memory of wrestling? So my earliest memory of wrestling would have to be in the mid '80s. Uh, my father was a big wrestling fan. My, my entire family uh, were, were all wrestling fans. My, my aunt, my uncle, my, my mother, my father. So I was always surrounded by it. Um, and I grew up in the Bronx, New York. Um, lived there for 25 years. and um, For most of my life, uh, it was pretty much, uh, for the first 20 years or so, I was primarily uh, WWF, um, WCW, ECW. Then I branched off into indies and things like that. But the earliest uh, memory of wrestling for me would have to be uh, watching wrestling with my dad, uh, watching WWF and watching uh, uh, tag team wrestling. That's the first memory I have is, is the mid-80s watching tag team wrestling. So who would have been the sort of big tag teams around that time? Because that would, be, would have been before sort of the Hart Foundation and the Bulldogs and... Well, that, that's actually around the time, you know, Killer Bees, Heart Foundation, right, okay. Bulldogs. That, that's probably my first memory is watching that. Um, and, and that was probably the what hooked me more than anything was the teams. Um, you know, I was never the biggest uh, Hulkamania fan. <laughs> I was never a big Hogan fan. or, or um, I was a big Macho Man fan, but uh, the tag teams was really what hooked me as a kid. So the next question is, which wrestlers captured your imagination? So it, it was the tag teams then. It was it was more the tag teams than the singles guys at the time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm uh, I'm not the biggest guy in the world. <laughs> I'm, I'm more akin to Rey Mysterio than Giant Gonzalez. But uh, the um, the appeal for me for the tag teams was just the the, the teamwork, the fast moves, the, the pacing, and for some reason that really captured my imagination more than anything. But um, when I was growing up, I, I, when it comes to singles wrestlers, uh, I was a big Ricky Steamboat fan, uh, a big Macho Man fan. Um, those are those are the guys that really stick out uh, for me at that time period. And what was the first live show that you uh, went to? So the first live show that I went to wouldn't be for many years. Um, uh, I was around thirteen. Um, my fandom started to change quite a bit because, uh, you know, I would watch uh, Saturday Night's Main Event. I would watch uh, pay-per-views on a many-month delay. You know, I, I would uh, go to the local video store and rent some videotapes. Right. And, you know, those were always a couple months behind. But 
Um, I would say around 92, 93 is when my fandom started to become more independent of my family. And, you know, my father was gone by then, and it was pretty much just me in the house just always watching wrestling. If it was at WWF, I'd be watching WCW Worldwide or WCW Saturday Night or something. And um, around 93, um, it was... Uh, it was August of 93. I went to my first show. It was a house show at Madison Square Garden. I went to a ton of Madison Square Garden shows. And uh, I specifically remember the main event was Bret Hart versus Yokozuna in a steel cage. Um, and uh, my mother, <laughs> she, uh, she took me to my first show, and she had never been to the garden for anything. And so she went in a really nice dress, not realizing that we we're going to be surrounded by a sea of wrestling fans and t-shirts. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I remember I, I hear Bret Hart's music, and I just completely abandon my mom, and I run to the rail to try to slap hands or touch him or something. And um, this is around the time that uh, Bret was also feuding with uh, Jerry Lawler, and I was just feet away from them. And I just remember them being so big. It's so larger than life for me at that time. So Bret Hart, Yokozuna was amazing. Yokozuna must have been the was he the champion? I suppose he must have been at the time. Yes, yeah. Yokozuna was defending against Bret after uh, this was between WrestleMania nine and ten. So yeah, Yokozuna right, had, yeah. had just uh, just won the belt maybe a month or two earlier. Now, from the time that you started watching wrestling till today, was there any point where you just kind of? lost interest in it and, and stopped watching at any point yeah it's it's kind of ironic because uh, you know we got the dark side of the ring this week and we got the AD biography of the ultimate warrior and i can tell you the exact moment that i stopped watching wrestling <laughs> and the exact moment i started up again um and so wrestlemania 6 when hogan and warrior wrestled for the belt and warrior won uh i think it was the the next day or, or a couple days after uh, I found out that wrestling was not real. Wrestling was not on the up and up. And I was completely heartbroken and angry and upset. And I said, I'm not going to watch this anymore. I'm done. <laughs> and, uh, and you know, months went by and some of my friends were still watching it. And, you know, we get towards Royal Rumble time. And I said, you know what? I, I'm, I'm still interested. I still want to know what's going on. And the very next show that I watch is Rumble 91. And the Warrior loses the belt to Sergeant Slaughter because a macho man. And I effectively missed the Ultimate Warrior's entire championship reign. <laughs> but did you, really, did you really miss much, let's be honest? <laughs> no, not much. Not much. I mean, uh, you know, I, I think uh, Hogan was feuding with Earthquake in the middle of that. Um, I went back and watched some of the highlights of that era at some point, but that was the distinct only time period in my life where i did not watch but you got back watching it again in time for warriors i think best match you ever had which is the one with randy savage wrestlemania 7 yes yes and that actually is my the post match of that is my favorite angle of oh all yeah absolutely loved it yeah with the the, re the reunion with uh, elizabeth was yeah yes and I bear a striking resemblance to the uh, little kid in the yellow rain jacket that they always <laughs> show. At the end of that, that's not me, I swear. But uh, some people have always tagged me on that saying, is that you? No, no, it's not me. I would say it was. 
Why not? Uh, <laughs> what about that kid is now? Yeah, I wonder. I wonder what happened to that girl in the blue dress I was crying to. <laughs> yeah, but that's such an iconic moment. We might come back to that a little bit later on. But um, what are your sort of viewing habits now? What do you watch from a week-to-week basis? Uh, so for, for many years, I watched as much as I could. Um, you know, I watched WWF. I watched WCW. I was a big ECW fan. I watched a ton of independence. And then I kind of got into the wrestling business. I'm sure we can talk about some of that as well. But these days, um, my life is very different. Um, I pretty much just have time for um, some, maybe half of Raw. I don't even get through most of it these weeks. Uh, I watch AEW every week. I watch that live. I'm a Nielsen family household, so I want to make sure that uh, they get some ratings off of me. Um, SmackDown, because it's Fridays, I don't get to watch every week, but, you know. Um, NXT, I kind of skip every other week or so, you know, so right now it's, I focus on AEW when I can and Raw and SmackDown sometimes. Well, sometimes is more often than what most people say to, to watching Raw and SmackDown these days. I think, uh, they seem to run off a lot of their audience. I think a lot of people just tend to watch the pay-per-views because the pay-per-views are normally pretty good. Yeah. 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 Um. I've got two kids now, which is one of the reasons why uh, a lot of my focus is gone from, from wrestling, but um, it doesn't make uh, watching the pay-per-views easy, <laughs> especially with Peacock, and you can't pause or anything, so I'm constantly attending to my kids and missing a lot of stuff, so my, my interest in wrestling, especially with the pandemic and everything that's been going on, I feel like if AEW wasn't on at all, I would... This I would consider this would probably be my all-time lowest point in my interest in wrestling. So how, your kids have not caught the bug then? They're not they're not into the wrestling at all. Uh, my my kids are very very young. My son is three and my daughter is one. And my oh, okay. son, my son, um, he gets upset when I put wrestling on because he wants to watch cartoons. You know? <laughs> and I've tried to <laughs> I've tried to you know I've given him some wrestling figures and wrestling toys and. Um, Christy Petrillo was one of my best friends, and his son is so into it and has been. Oh, he is, yeah. Like Zach, Zach loves it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, Zach is one of the reasons why I wanted to have kids. <laughs> and <laughs> so then I have my son, and he has no interest in wrestling, which I find funny. Because so. when we did the, um, the uh, book club thing with with brian alvarez i'm not sure who was more excited to be on it chris or, or zach i think zach was probably more excited to be on it and to get to talk to brian you know <laughs> that's pretty funny um yeah I, I just i've i've been trying to get my son to recognize a couple wrestlers he, he knows who aj styles is he likes his music well that's a good starting just, point <laughs> yeah but he, he cannot concentrate enough to even watch one match like he's just all over the place he just wants to constantly play has no interest in wrestling right now hopefully that will change that that could change yeah um we come on now to well they're called rapid fire questions but they never generally are um favorite wrestler of all time who would you uh select for that one so my favorite wrestler of all time is bret hart i'm sure you've gotten that from quite a few folks fair few times yeah (laughs) yeah yeah, Brett was always my guy, because um, like I said, uh, the, one of the first tag teams I latched onto was the Hart Foundation. There was something about the combination of Nine Hart's power 
Bret Hart's technical ability that just made them a very distinct team in my eyes. Um, and when Bret went singles, um, this was around the time that, uh, um, you know, all the bigger guys started to go away and do the steroid scandal. And while a lot of people stopped caring about wrestling, I found myself more enthralled with it. Um, you know, British Bulldog and Bret Hart for the Intercontinental title. I was so invested into these matches back then. And uh, King of the Ring 93 is the first wrestling VHS tape that I went out and purchased with my own money. Um, and, uh, you know, I basically wore that tape out because I, I, I played it so many times. And, you know, obviously Bret Hart has three great matches mm -hmm. on that card. Yeah. And Bret Hart and, and Mr. Perfect had an amazing match. And, you know, Bret Hart wins that, wins that uh, tournament. He had already been the world champion. And he was my guy. And I, I've been a Bret Hart fan, diehard Bret fan uh, ever since. That was really the Bret Hart show, that, that pay-per-view. Do you think he went into that in hindsight with a little bit of a chip on his shoulder after what happened at WrestleMania 9? Obviously, Hogan coming in and winning the belt from Yokozuna and Hogan never really sort of passing the torch to Bret. Okay, he he beat, he, you know, he, he put over Yokozuna in, in, a, in a manner of speaking in the, in the title match. But do you think Bret kind of went into that thinking, I'm the guy and I'm going to prove it? Absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, in those three matches with Razor and, and Perfect and, and Bam Bam, you, know, you have three distinct matches and they build upon each other. You know, he's he's injured in the Razor match where he steps on his fingers and he's Perfect is working on those fingers in his match. And it told a cohesive story. And, you know, by the end of the night, you're not really thinking about Hulk Hogan and the fact that he lost. You're thinking, wow, Bret Hart's the king of the ring and this guy, Jerry Lawler, just beat him up. And that's, that's where you where you leave your focus on in that show. Um, you know, I think it was that done that way by design. Um, and I, I already had a problem with the WrestleMania 9 finish just because I was such a big Bret Hart fan. Mm -hmm. And when, yeah. when Hogan won the belt after, you know, the 90-second squash with Yokozuna, I was just so disillusioned with Hulk Hogan coming back. And, I, I you know, Bret was already my guy, and I wanted to see him continue to rise and i felt like he got his legs cut out from under him so uh king of the ring 93 is, is one of my one of my favorite events that holds a really dear spot in my heart favorite match of all time now if, if, if it's not a brett match i also want to know what your favorite brett match is but what would you go for your uh, favorite match of all time all right so uh in a round i'll answer this question in a, in a little bit of a roundabout way so um i also collaborated with uh, a gentleman named Adam Ryland, which a lot of people know, uh, with the Extreme Warfare Revenge EWR series. Um, and what I did with that is uh, I only helped him on one iteration, and he did 90% of the work, so I certainly don't want to take a lot of credit with that. But um, I used to go to school for computer programming. And when I was running my wrestling website, he sent me a, uh, a message, told me that he was a big fan of mine, and, uh, you know, have you ever played EWR? I've not, no. No. Okay, so it's a, it's a wrestling simulator. So you basically have your wrestling roster, and you are booking matches, booking feuds, and when you press play or submit, it basically plays out for you. And at that time, you would have four selections to choose from in terms of who your recapper would be. Oh, excuse me, there were three. It was uh, Scott Keith, 
CRZ and Scotsman. And so, you know, he, he told me he was a really big fan of my work. And, you know, I said, you know, I actually, uh, I'm a big fan of yours. And uh, I'm a computer programmer, or at least I was at that point. And that's what I went to school for. And, uh, and I said, I'd love to contribute to the game. So he said, sure, you know, uh, I'm not sure what you can do. And I said, I can write all of my commentary myself. And so I programmed it, and I am essentially very hard mode. I'm hard mode for EWR 4.0. Um, it was such a big critique, a big, big uh, uh, you know, I, I, it was very hard for anybody to get five stars out of me, essentially. <laughs> and, and the thing is, it, you, you really got to, do very well in that game, and when you finally do, it says this match is as good as Bret Hart versus Owen Hart, my favorite match of all time. <laughs> so that's, and like I said, in a roundabout way, I want to answer your question. But Bret Hart versus Owen Hart is my favorite. WrestleMania match of all time. Ten. Yes. Yeah. Yes. This, I mean, the cage match at SummerSlam is also really good, but yeah, WrestleMania Ten. I mean, there's always that debate which is better: the the match with Owen, the match with Bret and Owen, or the ladder match with Sean and Razor. I think obviously they're both great, but if I had to just w watch just one of them, it would be Bret versus Owen for sure. Yeah, and it's funny because at the time, you know, the ladder match was all anybody talked about. But looking back on it today, Bret Bret and Owen holds up where you know the ladder match, as good as it is, compared to what comes after with, with right. all the ladders yeah. and you know it, it doesn't hold a candle to what came after where i feel brett Nolan is a uh timeless story timeless match and i know that there's been tons of, of better matches since then but that's always been my personal favorite match of all time no, it's a great choice. I mean, one of the most popular choices for that, obviously, is Bretton and Austin at uh, WrestleMania 13. Yes, also also one of the you know, best matches of all time, one of the best WrestleMania matches ever. And, and I do also really love that match. Um, you know, I, I was also a very big Austin fan. Um, not as big as my wife, but <laughs> that's another <laughs> story. But, um, but, yeah, for some reason, I think, I don't know if it was the... Uh, the story going in, the fact that Brett actually lost clean and then, you know, wins the belt later on that night. You have your instant number one contender. You have your instant, um, you know, what about me, Owen moment. I, I love that entire story. And uh, and I was actually very upset that I did not get to go to WrestleMania 10. I was just going to uh, say, yeah, because it was in the garden, wasn't it? So you, you didn't get to go and see it. No, no, because see, at the time, like, you know, we were very poor, and you know, just going to the house show alone was was a big deal. Um, and I, I went to a uh, signing that Brett did. I got to meet his kids. You know, I you know I was a little kid myself, so I was just trying to you know make small talk with anybody. And I, I went by myself. I mean, you you don't see that anymore these days. You know, a little kid just going to Manhattan by himself for a signing, but I, I did, and um, I still have that picture. Because he autographed it for me. I went to a signing many years later, and I presented Brett with a picture of me with his son at that signing. He's like, where did you get this? And I was, you know, or we told him the story. And this was around that time. It was uh, 94. And, uh, yeah, it was it was such an uh, interesting time because, you know, WrestleMania 10 was, was being built up as this big event, and I was begging my mom to go, but we just couldn't afford it at the time. So I did go to the fan fest the the uh, uh, Saturday before. So I was in the garden um, area where they were doing all the uh, 
It was kind of like the, the predecessor to WrestleMania Access. It was the first time they had ever done something like that. And I still have pictures of that event. You know, I got to meet Macho Man. I got to meet Brett um, from afar because there were too many people around Brett. Um, I actually, uh, I tried to follow Brett backstage when he was leaving. And since I was so small, I actually made it a little bit uh, past the curtain because security just couldn't see me. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and I got to see uh, Yokozuna speaking to Paul Bearer in English and I'm like wait you can speak English and that's when they realized that there's a fan back here and I got like kicked out immediately by security but yeah that was um, that was an interesting time I wish I had gone to WrestleMania 10 that's one of my biggest regrets but I did go to 20 and I did go to 30 and I made it to a ton of other MSG shows since well, the next question is the best live show that you attended. So uh, what would you go for for that? So best live show I've ever attended. That's, really, that's a really hard question for me because I've been to 11 WrestleManias. <laughs> I've <laughs> traveled so many places for wrestling. I've been to uh, countless Ring of Honor shows. I went to the first ever Ring of Honor show. I went to AEW Double or Nothing, the first ever AEW show. Um, off the top of my head, I want to say, I'll give you a top three. How about that? Um, so that I really have a hard time nailing it down to one. Um, for me, it would either be WrestleMania 20, which unfortunately the main event is now tainted yeah. in everybody's eyes, but, but man, was that an experience. Um, WrestleMania 30, you know, with, uh, the streak losing and, and, and Brian Wayne, that was also incredible. And uh, AEW Double or Nothing. It's, it's hard for me to put one over the other for, for any of those because uh, AEW just had such a, a an atmosphere that I've never felt before and I haven't felt since. And, uh, you know, WrestleMania is always amazing. You know, I loved WrestleMania 31. Uh, the 24 was a good show and... and couple of other ones that were really solid, but I think uh, I'm going to go with the, with the even numbers, 20, 30, and AEW Double or Nothing. Well, let's just talk about each of those shows individually. So WrestleMania 20, you mentioned obviously the main event, and that I suppose that, that lasting image of, of WrestleMania 20 with, with Chris Benoit and Eddie Guerrero both celebrating in the ring was such a special moment at the time, which unfortunately you, you just don't see it anymore, because Chris Belmar was there so it's kind of like almost been erased from history which is which is such a shame but would that be sort of your biggest takeaway from that show yeah yeah I mean I've got a couple of moments from that show that, that really hit me pretty hard um, especially in light of what happened um, you know everybody talks about Eddie and Benoit hugging at the end of that show but there's something that happened right after the cameras got off the air and, and you know after what happened with Benoit I, I've never forgotten it is his son and Nancy's wife, they come into the ring and they embrace him. Right. And I was I was actually on the floor. Um, you know, I had pretty good seats um, for that one. And I went by myself. <laughs> and uh, um, I had a really great view. And when they came in, they were hugging him. I'm, I'm in tears. A bunch of people around me were in tears. And, you know, to, to know what happened after that, that's a, that's a haunting image for me now. But um, I was also... Uh, very 
very pleased to have gotten so close to Eddie Guerrero in his car when he came out for that match. I was on the floor, I was by the rail. He comes out with his low rider, and I'm, you know, just a couple feet away by the by the by the rail trying to touch him. And <laughs> you know, just uh, I was such a big fan of those two. And um, another thing that uh, that I really remember was um, because of where I was positioned. Um, the Victoria Molly Holly match where she was shaving her head. Right. Um, yeah. I had a really great view of the the, the scalping. <laughs> she was <just laughs> going to town on her head, and um, you know, even when they went to video packages and they went off the air, it seemed like she was just going there for a while, and I was just transfixed on that for quite some time. So, those are the three things that I really remember the most on that show. And then WrestleMania 30, which because of Hulk Hogan, I never remember if it was the Silver Dome or the Super Dome. It was the Super Dome, wasn't it? Yeah, it's the Super Dome, yeah. <laughs> but uh, what are your biggest memories of that of that show? Okay, so I mean, everybody's going to talk about the streak ending, and I, I've got a funny story about that one, because I was under the impression, like most people were, that there's no chance in hell yep. that Undertaker's losing this match. So after his, after the entrance, I said, this is the match where I'm going to go get my merch. <laughs> oh, so, no. <laughs> so I, I, I go into the, uh, the arena. There's nobody there. The merch tables are practically empty. And I go and I buy my program for a friend of mine. I buy a couple T-shirts. And I ran into Teddy Hart. Now this is before this is before Teddy Hart is you know accused of ninety billion things and uh, and all that and you know I was a Teddy Hart fan at one point so I said hey man I'd like to take a picture with you he said sure so I take a picture with him and then he proceeds to talk my ear off for about ten minutes and uh, you know I'm, I'm trying to be uh, I, I kind of want to wrap him up you know because I'm like all right I'm, I'm gonna go uh, sit back in my seat thank you for the picture and he's just Still talking and talking and talking. So I go back to my seat. I was sitting right behind Brian Alvarez. We were all in the, in the big group together. and um, I've, I've known Brian for years. And so we're sitting there, and I sit down in time for the first F5. And I sit down, and nobody's reacting to anything. It's just a dead match. And uh, I'm asking everybody, you know, did I miss anything? No. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, okay, so then the match continues, and uh, and I'll never forget this because uh, Ryan talked about this years ago when it happened, and I could one hundred percent confirm this. When the three count happened, for some reason, and I don't know why, I swore I saw Undertaker kick out, and a bunch of people all said the same thing: he kicked out. Referee made a mistake. What's going on? And I saw people that were visibly upset. Some people said, this is bullshit, and just started walking out of the building. Uh, I saw people taking their Undertaker signs and just putting them in the trash, saying, you know, 22-0. Uh, uh, that was in the trash. <laughs> Somebody just ripped it up and put them in the trash. And uh, everybody's like, that can't be right. That can't be right. And then it comes up on the screen, 21-1. And it's unbelievable. I'll, I'll never forget that. Do you think that was a huge mistake in hindsight? Um, actually, I don't. Um, because Rock really 
did capitalize on the heat that, that he got from oh, that. Oh, he did, yeah, absolutely, yeah. You know, and, and he was, a lot of people get upset about the fact that he's the one that broke the streak, but anybody else who actually cares about the wrestling business <laughs> would have taken a lot of heat for Brock being the mercenary that he was. He, he could take it and it's fine. But um, looking back on it, um, I can understand why some people thought that that should have been the end of Undertaker, but I'm sure he didn't want to go on a bad match like that. And, you know, I didn't even realize how bad that match was until I went back to, to watch it at home. And then when I watch it back at home, he didn't move. He didn't kick Well, he doesn't he remember. Punch. He doesn't remember any of the match, does he? I think he, I think the story goes his last memory of that day was like from 3 p.m. And he, yeah, yeah. his next memory is waking up in the hospital because um, yeah. he literally collapsed after he got through the curtain. It's amazing when you think that, that massive walkway, you know, to, to the ring. It's remarkable he made it all the way up there. When you think yeah. about it, yeah, definitely. Um, and I just I, I look back on that show and I keep thinking to myself, I know I saw him kick out. So when I go back and watch it, he doesn't even move a muscle. I'm like. Did we all just have a collective Mandela effect? Is that what happened there? I think you just assume he's going to kick out because it's Undertaker at WrestleMania. I mean, he's not going to lose. Right. And, you know, like I said, I visually remember him moving, kicking out, and it did not happen. My eyes were playing tricks on me. <laughs> so when he left the ring that night, did you, did you think that was going to be it for him? Did you think that was the end of, of his career? Uh, I did, yeah. Um... You know, and then, you know, obviously he's gone the entire year and comes back for WrestleMania 31 against Bray Wyatt, which was a kind of a, a throwaway match, to be honest with you. Um, and, you know, he doesn't have a, a, a good match for quite some time after that. Um, so I, I thought, you know, that would have been the appropriate way to, to end his career, but I know he didn't want to go out in a bad match. So. Well, the whole story of the last ride is him finding that perfect match, isn't it, basically? Um yeah, yeah, and I was in the building for WrestleMania 33 in Orlando where, you know, uh, obviously he wasn't happy with the match with Roman, but uh, even my wife says it, you know, when he put the coat down and then uh, and, and the gloves and the hat, it, to me that was the end and that should have been the end. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I, 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 love the, I love the Boneyard match, but yeah, that, that, should have been the, uh, that should have been the end, I think. Yeah, uh, but what a... What about the AEW show then? What are your sort of big memories of that show? Oh, obviously, obviously the, uh, the thing everybody talked about at that, at that show was the Cody Dustin match. Uh, there wasn't a dry eye in the house when that match was over, when they were hugging and embracing. And uh, yeah, how much? Just, a, sorry, because how much of a missed opportunity was that not doing that at a WrestleMania? I'm not sure if it really was a missed opportunity because I don't know if they would have gotten that same kind of match no, in the probably of no. the WrestleMania show. Um, you know, we, probably they, they got, we, we probably would have got Goldust versus Stardust or something, wouldn't we? Rather than, exactly. Yeah. Which I think they did on uh, Fastlane before WrestleMania. Yes, that's year. right. They did, yeah. Yeah, yeah and uh, they wouldn't have gotten the time. There certainly wouldn't have been the blood, which I think added to a big... Uh, that, that added to the emotion of the match. Um, the entire entrance with the sledgehammer and the throne and the entrances and, and everything. I mean, that that is something I'll never forget. Um, so when I think of Double or Nothing, that's my very first thought. The final question I ask everyone on this show is uh, in many ways the hardest one to answer, but it is, what is the one thing 
that you could change if you could change one thing what would it be i completely messed up the question there if you could change one thing about the wrestling business what would it be all right so once again i'm going to give you a little bit of a long-winded answer um so um going back to you know i told you i used to uh, work on the game and, and and all that with the website before any of that i used to work in times square the uh, virgin megastore is a very famous record store do you remember that store i do yeah 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 it was it was always featured in movies and things like that and um so this was uh, the year 99 where I started working there during the summertime. And they opened up the WWF New York restaurant. Right, yeah. That was right across the street. So um, they would allow you to, if you were a paying customer, you know, sitting back to eat from your drink, you could sit there and you can watch Raw. On Tuesdays, you can watch the live taping of SmackDown. You can then come back on Thursday and watch the finished product of SmackDown. You could watch the pay-per-views. I was constantly there. Um, and I got to know a lot of the staff. And, you know, when I started going there, there was a bit of a, a soft opening. Um, and then eventually they had an official grand opening. And uh, I actually went to the grand opening of, of WF New York. And on that uh, on that night, I'm in a suit. I, I, I got credentials because I made up a letterhead of a website that I was running. <laughs> I was able to get credentialed in and kind of snuck my way in. And I met everyone that there is to meet. I met, and with the exception of The Rock and Stone Cold, I met everybody else on the roster that night. And I got pictures of everybody. I met Vince, Stephanie, Linda, Shane, and the entire roster. That's one of my greatest nights ever. And... Um, I, I asked Vince McMahon specifically, how can I work for you? <laughs> and he says, put your resume in their human resources. And I'm thinking, I got no shot. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so I used to go constantly during the week, you know, even on nights when they weren't airing wrestling. And on, and on nights when they were not airing wrestling, they would have speakers there. Um, you know, one day it would be Howard Finkel. One day it would be, you know, it's never a big superstar on a, on a Wednesday night. You know, it would just be like, you know, uh, like like I said, like a Howard Finkel or a Al Snow or <laughs> somebody on the lower level. Um, and one day they had Michael Hayes there. And Michael Hayes is there and they're interviewing him. And one of the things he says is, I, I want to point out, I want to give a shout out to one of the guys in the building right now. And it's one of the writers. His name is Brian Gwitz. And he points him out. And, you know, the place is dead. It's a Wednesday night. There's not a lot of wrestling fans there. It's just people eating for the most part. But I see who he's talking about. And I said, I'm going to talk to that guy. I really got to talk to that guy. So I go up to Brian Gwitz and I introduce myself. And I, you know, I said, hey, uh, one of the things I want to do is I want to be a writer. I have never wanted to be a wrestler, but I've always wanted to be a wrestling writer. And so he said, okay, great, you know, uh, you know, when, uh, I'm always here to, to kind of, he was there because he had just written the angle where Kurt Angle kisses Stephanie. Do you remember like, that angle? Yeah, yeah. yeah where, where, you know, she's unconscious and he takes her to the back and he kisses her. He wanted to see what that final product was going to look like. So he told me he was going to be there that Thursday. So I come home and I write furiously on my computer and I write out a script for, uh, SmackDown, you know, what the next SmackDown log logically would look like. And so I meet up with him that day and I say, Brian, we met the other day. 
and you know you told me that uh, you know you're I should keep keep want to keep on writing and, and all that and I've got a script for SmackDown here I want to show you that I can do this that I can write this and I basically wrote out all the promos <laughs> I wrote out all the results I wrote out everything and I gave it to him I said just you know you don't have to tell me if it's good or bad just you know just look it over and let me know and the next week I would say ninety percent of my script was used and I was, <laughs> I was and I, I kept saying, the next time I see Brian, I'm going to give him more stuff. And the next time I see him, he's like, oh, I've got the SummerSlam script in my backpack. And, and I gave him a couple of ideas. And I started seeing some of my ideas appear on TV. And I thought that was pretty cool. And I'm not asking for credit, and I'm not saying that he outright stole anything. I'm not accusing Brian Gross of anything. But he, he was encouraging me, and he told me he can get me an internship at uh, Time Towers. And I was like, well, great. That, that's my dream. I would love to be a wrestling writer. That's my dream. Right? So he said, you know, graduate college and uh, I'll get you in. Great. Right? And uh, ultimately that didn't happen because I screwed up in college. And that's a whole other story. <laughs> I lost my shot because of me being an idiot. But all I wanted to do for years was be a writer. And... The, the reason why I'm telling you all this is because I wrote out all the promos, and now the one thing I hate, the one thing I want to change, is scripted promos. promos. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I was basically doing what I now claim to hate. So um, that's that's one of my stories. Um, I, I was so close to uh, actually being in the writers' room, and then, in my opinion, you know, just uh, even as as a writers' assistant or an intern or a staff member. And I never got to do that. Um, and I'm kind of glad I didn't, just because I, I think I would have been burned out. Um, I know that I would have gotten fired at some point. Everybody that has had that job has stories about disliking that job or something right. like that. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's catering to an audience of one. I think that would have burned me out more than anything. So I'm glad it didn't happen. But it's nice to remember those times. And of course, Brian now, does he, doesn't he? Doesn't he work exclusively with The Rock in Hollywood now? Yeah, yeah. Um, he's he's his uh, right-hand man. He's his producer with uh, Seven seven Bucks Production, I think it is. And uh, he went on to do big things. But at that time, nobody knew who he was. No. And, uh, you know, I, I would tell people, I know this guy named Brian Gwitz. And I was like, who's that? <laughs> and um, I got his autograph. It says, you know, uh, keep writing. And I would always keep in contact with him. And, and I actually saw him... Uh, at WWF New York for the uh, the first XFL game. The first XFL game, they hosted a big party at, at WWF New York, and it had a massive turnout. I mean, it was like a three-hour wait to get in for dinner because there was such hype around the XFL. And I saw him that day, and I could just tell that he was super stressed, and I, I kept giving him more scripts. And uh, that was really the last time I, I saw him was in 2001. Um I guess that wasn't too long after that that he would have been gone anyway because I mean The Rock was I mean I suppose The Rock was still around to like 2004 off and on uh, but then he, he he was gone completely then until like 2011 or 2012 so I guess uh, yeah. I guess Brian was kind of in that role still until about 2004 2005 something like that 
but we don't really know who yeah. the writers are nowadays do we really i mean they're not uh there was a time when we would know everyone but um i know obviously bruce bruce is like the the main writer now isn't he i think well, I don't think he does much writing. I think he's more of the uh, the guy right. that helps to like kind of filter yeah. stuff yeah. for for events and produces stuff for events. But there's 40 writers, and they get assigned a wrestler now. And uh, <laughs> you know, they're, they're basically the, the 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 wrestler and the writer work together to come up with uh, an idea to pitch. And 90 percent of the pitches get turned down or get changed by the time they end up on TV. So the system is completely out of whack compared to the way it used to be. Yeah, because you hear stories about the show, but like being rewritten like half an hour before it's due to go on air, and you, and then yeah. you and then you wonder why Raw is a mess on a Monday night. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and, and as an aside, here's another interesting tidbit. So the website that I used to run, it's it's long dead. It's called thesmartmarks.com. That's where uh, Christy Petrillo started writing on that site. My friend Matt, Matt Mixon, we all met on yep. that site, and. Uh, I, I basically ran that site for about two years, and I had a pretty big following on a message board with about 2,000 people. And this is before social media was a thing, so I feel like had, had, there, had social media been a thing then, it probably would have gotten a lot bigger. But um, at that time, you know, with everything going on with uh, uh, my life, um, you know, I decided I was going to just up and move from New York to Connecticut and start a new career. Um, I had... Uh, Basically, I, I gave Chris the reins on the, on the website, and I went on to do other things, and that's how that ended. But uh, uh, where I started to kind of make a little bit of a name for myself was I was reviewing the weekly TNA shows. Um, so you know how they were on pay-per-views every Wednesday night back in the right. day when they first yep. started? Yeah. Yeah, so I was one of the few people out there that reviewed it every single week, and my articles were cross-posted on about six or seven different websites um pro wrestling.com lords of pain online onslaught a bunch a bunch of different sites and so i would constantly get people emailing me their opinion you know asking me how i how i can write for your site and things like that and um because i was known as the tna guy uh don west emailed me jeff jarrett had emailed me and jeremy borash emailed me and jeremy borash gave me a shout out once on one of his articles and basically saying, you know, I was, I was a fair reviewer and things like that. And one day, in 2003, they asked me if I was interested in going into Nashville and being part of their creative team. And I was uh, uh, a young kid at that point who didn't have a car. <laughs> I was just living with my parents, and I couldn't fathom just picking up and moving to Nashville. So I turned them down. And about two weeks later, they hired Vince Russo. So I probably would have gotten fired anyway, or it would have been an underling under Vince Russo. And I don't know if I would have enjoyed that or stuck around much longer after that. So <laughs> uh, that that was just an interesting time in my life as well. All a bunch of bunch of near misses and getting into the wrestling business. What, what could have been? <laughs> yeah, I got a bunch of those. What could have been? Damien, it's yeah. been an absolute pleasure to have you on uh, we could go a lot longer but obviously these these questions are rather limiting but uh, obviously i, I want to do more podcasts in the future and uh yeah we'd love to have you back on at some point sure great i'd be more than glad to uh to be back on i really appreciate it i, I barely do podcasts these days um, like i said i'm essentially retired but uh, <laughs> this was a lot of fun yeah, I, I know matt would love to have you on his podcast at some point I don't, I don't yeah, know. I'm going to have to uh, 
get on get on the four corners and, and do that one. So. <laughs> But no, thanks again, and uh, like I say, definitely we'll have you back for whatever I plan to do in the future. All right, no problem. Thank you very much, David. I appreciate it. So for Damien, I'm David signing off, and uh, thank you for listening.